Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a scream and shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hi, Eric. We are... Powered by communitycars.com Sponsor of the pod Communitycars.com Illusion Engines Talk with Ward and Eric I thought the Straight No Chaser music would put me in a better mood. It did while I was listening to it. And now I'm back to not being in a good mood. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing but sadness right now. You know, obviously, due to my schedule, we cannot uh, record this after the women's game, which we hope will be a a real injection of happiness right into our veins. But uh, as we're sitting here today, Monday, 2.20 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, we are grieving we are grieving. What I am not grieving for is the fact that communitycars.com is your best place to get your automotive needs satisfied, whether it's online, on the phone, in person, anywhere in the continental United States, plus Alaska and Hawaii, but not international. All 50 states. What else do you really want? These guys will take care of you. Listen, Evan will understand. I can't do my full plug for them right now. You got money. You're buying a car. For the love of everything holy, just buy the fucking car from communitycars.com. Okay? I'm sure you appreciated the F-bomb. You know, me looking for something happy to think about, Community Cars is that. It's the respite in a crazy, terrible world where IU basketball uh, is no longer playing. But... Uh, you brought it up. Let's focus on the women for a second. I do want to focus on them. We yeah. do the thing where we pretend the game is over. We we shoot it both ways. You know, sure. <laughs> just just let let anybody fill in the blank. Like, okay, so let's do the bad one first. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Hey Ward, we should talk about the women's game last night. <laughs> Nothing's good. Everything's bad. We lost. I love the IU women's team, but it didn't go our way. Okay, that's all we're going to say about that one. 
because yeah. that's not what's going to happen. No, it's it's the ladies. They're going to take care of business. They take care of business even when they're missing Mackenzie Holmes. Like, it's unbelievable. I just remember for our whole lifetime, we've watched these other dominant women's programs just eviscerate uh, other teams uh, early on in the tournament, especially. And now we're one of those programs without our most dominant player, we just absolutely destroy the other team. Including the game last night, where we won by points. Exactly. It was awesome. They were a (laughs) well-oiled machine, and we got revenge on Miami. So what could be better than that? Onward march the women Hoosiers. Onward marches Terry Morin and Grace Berger and Mackenzie Holmes and Sidney Parrish and Yarden Garzon and Chloe Moore McNeil and Sarah Scalia and Lily Meister and the whole boat of them because they're going right to Dallas. The final four is the shining city on the hill that they will take us to for the first time in program history. That's what's going to happen because we know last night was awesome. So good. So good. Thank thank goodness for the women. Um, it's and look, they have been our our rock all season long in a men's season that was a roller coaster, to say the least. You could just depend on the ladies, not just to win, not just to win, usually in dominant fashion, but to play a brand of basketball that is a joy to behold. I totally, totally agree. All right, Ward, listen. We don't have a big-time interview on this one. We do have our special guest that has become a regular this year. I'm sure he would appreciate you setting it up like that. (laughs) He's just part of us now. He's become part of us. But before we do that, why don't you tell people that we are, in fact, brought to you by... IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense. Who's your hoopla just for you? You you set me up to set you up. I did. It was a double setup. It was a double setup. It was like in, in volleyball. You 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 dig it, I set it, and then you spike it. Boom! I was impressed just now that you used all the appropriate volleyball terms in succession, in the right order, and you did not flub any of them. Nobody is more surprised than me. That that was really impressive. Maybe the most impressive thing you've ever done on this podcast. Well, again, very low bar we've set yeah, here. Very low bar. All right, listen, iuventures.com. It is the Shark Tank of Indiana University. They're the only organization associated with Indiana University that is actually writing checks to businesses that are started by or run by IUDNA. IU staff, IU faculty, IU students, or IU alumni. They have an idea, they pitch it to IU Ventures, and they are writing them checks to help them start their dreams, start the American dream in starting a business and employing a lot of Hoosiers. A lot of Hoosiers, both in the state and out of the state. Uh, It's great for the economy, and it can be great for your pocketbook. Because the other part of it that they do is they connect you as an angel investor with these new startups, and you can be an angel investor in one of these companies and hopefully see a great return on your money. I love what they do. IUVentures.com to sign up for their email newsletter to find out everything you need to know. IUVentures.com. Ward. Eric. We're going to get into the specifics of the game and then talk about the future 
a little bit with our with our special special guest. <laughs> but look, let's go back you you and me for a second. We Don't started you... the season. Oh, what were okay. you Oh, I was just going to say, I really wish that it timed out that we dropped the podcast after the Kent State game. Because, man, you know, speaking of roller coasters, just what these, you know, from from really from the time Purdue lost, which we should spend a lot of time on Purdue losing, maybe even more than on us losing. Um, But yeah, you know, if you want to go macro roller coaster, take it away. The beginning of the season. We talked about. What did success look like this year? And there were very quantifiable things that we all agreed on. And when I say we all, I mean you and me, (laughs) (laughs) which is rare. If you and I agree totally on something, although becoming more common, becoming definitely more common, we have noticed in our text chains that we (laughs) say the same exact thing way more times than what two grown men should be doing. It's the lowest common denominator we find. Our minds have melded and the world is worse off for it. So we said that Indiana had to compete, truly compete for a Big Ten championship. And that meant actually having a chance to win it in the final week or two. Uh, We said that we wanted to have a good showing in the Big Ten tournament. And we said that we had to make at least the Sweet 16. We were 0 for 3 on those three pillars. And we'll get into, in our conversation later, a little bit with what went wrong this year and may even have a little argument, you and I, about it, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, Um, it's healthy. But objectively, we failed at all three of those things. And so I ask you, Ward, was this season a success or a failure for Indiana University basketball? I will say it was a disappointing season. Disappointing failure. Um, I mean, we could get into semantics. In in my mind, it's sort of like, well, it was better than the year before, and 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 that and that year was even better than the year before that. But at the end of the day, you have to judge each season and each team unto itself, and with the talent and the experience and the just being proven indisputably in the NCAA tournament, the mediocrity of the conference this year. There is not any way you can slice it and say this wasn't a disappointing team, uh, a disappointing season for this team. You can you can point to a couple individuals, which I think we should do for their incredible contributions to winning as many games as we did. But no, I don't think there's one person inside or outside of the program that will look back and be like, yep, that was a successful season. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. It may be a semantic thing between disappointing and failure, but you brought something up there that I do want to talk about. And that's this idea of progress. Okay. So I've been thinking about this a lot since yesterday and even before yesterday, starting to formulate, you know, both sides. If we make the sweet 16, what does that mean? If we don't, Like, is it really just one game that determines, you know, the difference between success and failure, disappointing and and not? And and yeah, I mean, a game here and a game there does do that for sure. Yeah. And and I want to talk about progress because so much of what I've seen on message boards and heard from people is it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. 
while that may be empirically, empirically true, that we won more games than last year, that we went one step further, that we finished higher in the Big Ten than we did, I do not believe that that can be the bar for success at Indiana. Progress just versus last year or the year before is not good enough. It's not good enough at Indiana if you believe that we should be better than we are. And I go back to the conversation we had with Randy Whitman not all that long ago. And what did Randy tell us? Fans should have high expectations. Yes. The highest expectations. When you have the highest expectations, you don't equivocate it by going, it's a little bit better than last year. So we're we're on on the on the right march. And and I want I want to say one more thing on that and then turn it over to you. So I don't believe that that should be the bar. I dismiss it. But for those of you who are thinking that that's the bar, it's a step forward, it's better than we were with Archie, here's what I'll say to that. That only works if you think that that progress is clearly going to continue. That that if you don't, then it wasn't progress, it was a blip on the radar. There were, there were extenuating circumstances that made that happen. Real progress means you're continuing an upward trajectory. And what we've seen, and we'll discuss later, it does not take three years, man. It doesn't take two years. Not in the age of the transfer portal. Not in the way that college basketball is played right now. You have teams that go from shit to really good in one year. Two years tops. It, especially if you have resources behind you like Indiana does. And this is what is bothering me the most. Year one of Archie was all hope because we got rid of Crean. We were stuck in the mud and we we all convinced ourselves to get excited about Archie, right? And year one was a bad year. We had Juwan and we had Robert Johnson, but we didn't play very well at all. But it felt like, okay, there's some hope coming because Romeo's on his way. Yep. Okay. And his first recruiting class was awesome on paper. He locked in race and Demisey Anderson, and he locked in uh, Romeo and Jerome Hunter and Rob Finnessy. And that was all very exciting for us, right? Very exciting. And then that year came. And while Romeo had a decent year, the team did not. And it was riddled with injury, right? Riddled Mm -hmm. with injury. And we all used that to say, Okay, it wasn't just one guy. It was multi. It was Duran. It was Devante. It was Rob. It was um, Jerome who missed the whole year. But it was a series of guys that were all supposed to be contributors. Yep. And then he locked in Trace Jackson Davis for the following year. So that offseason was filled with hope. Yes, Romeo, we're going to lose him, but we're bringing in Trace and all our guys are getting healthy. And so that was now year three of Archie. And year three of Archie went okay. Like it was not great, but it was progress. And then COVID hit, right? And we thought we were going to make the tournament. And then that off season ended and it was like, well, we were going to make the tournament and we've got Trace coming back. He's coming back. We're going to continue to get better and better. And then your four hit and it was a shit bomb and it sucked. But my point is that in every off season of Archie, there was real reason for hope. There was real reason for hope. 
we are now facing an offseason where if you are just focusing on next year, where we sit right now, there is not a lot of reason for hope. There is not a lot of reason to think that the progress right now that we had, that incremental progress, is going to continue next year. We are losing a first-team All-American. We are losing a mid uh, level. You're leaving me absolutely sorry. nothing to say. I'm no, sorry. I mean, like, so that's, it, that's where I am as far as hope. And that's why I don't buy the progress argument. You please expand. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, there, Like to me, what Coach Woodson has done in these first two years is more significant progress than Archie did in four. But you've got to remember that's with a lot of Archie's players and convincing them to come back, which Coach Woodson gets credit for, for getting to the, them to come back. But I have been actively pushing out the future from my mind. But cognizant all season, when you look at what's gone on or not gone on with recruiting, that we are careening towards the edge of a cliff where you have two players signed up for next year who I think can be really nice four-year players for IU, but nobody expects him to make a big impact, not in the way that Jalen hood Shafino or even Malik Renew did this year. So I kept pushing it off and being like, this is the season we've all been waiting for for a long time. We have arguably the best player in the country. We have arguably the best freshman point guard in the country. And and a nice mix of, of experience and size and other skill sets around that or so we thought, but we finished the season as a 500 team. And I mean, the last 10 games, we went five and five. And, and the, if that, and, and we were as healthy as we've been all season, I, I do think something was probably up with trace yesterday. You know, I think well, that hit and, pointer and, and as healthy as we were all season with the exception of Xavier. Right. But we didn't have him all season in terms of, you know, really right. for the most part, once the big 10 started, so to see and and we and and you mentioned this later in our conversation we actually didn't finish the regular season very well last year but we turned it around in the big 10 tournament we got something cooking for like three games that that was like oh we we're in the tournament we want a game in the tournament even if it's in the first four that's inarguably better than what had gone on in the previous four years and this year this team is without a doubt better than last year's team and the teams before that and and so it's like oh yes but but it is going to be such a roster overhaul next year with who we're definitely losing who we are definitely losing who we might lose to the transfer because it's a it's a two-way street and then when you're like we don't have any transfers definitely coming in uh we've got two freshmen coming in who we don't expect to to set the world on fire as freshmen um now i cannot keep like focusing on the present and this team and what they're capable of and what they could do and what their potential is and they won eight out of nine games they could really put it together for a push in the tournament they didn't they didn't not in the big 10 tournament not at the end of the regular season and certainly not in the ncaa tournament because kent state hey that's great but you know they they weren't even the best team in the MAC. They, they were a 13 seed. Yeah. I mean, that, so in the end, there's a reason they were a 13 seed and they only got into the tournament 
because they won their conference tournament. They were not going to get an at-large bid. They were tough. They played tough, but they weren't skilled. They could not hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> and, and I guess where I didn't see progress within this season was the fact that we just got worked by Penn State and Northwestern and Iowa, and we all saw the scouting report, and we tried to maybe fool ourselves into thinking something would be different with Miami, but of course it wasn't, and that that you didn't see progress with really within the team this year. If, if anything, okay, we figured out how to play without X, and we got it rolling, but then the last 10 games were mediocre at best. You know, and like, what what did we want to hang our hat on? Beating Purdue twice, top five Purdue twice. Well, guess what? Purdue laid the biggest egg in the history of the NCAA tournament, which I love, and actually may end up being the highlight of this basketball season. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, you look to the future and you think about the hope that we all want to have. We love Gabe Cups. We've interviewed him twice, talked to him in person, love him, love his family. But the way college basketball is played right now, there's been a lot of comparisons of Gabe Cups to Braden Smith. Well, is that modern college basketball at the highest levels? We are losing Jalen and gaining X, but we are gaining another player in the mold more like Trey Galloway you know, I know they have different skills. I'm not saying Gabe and Trey are the same, but they're not big, long, athletic guards. You know, they're not explosive athletes. X and Jalen swapping one for the other, you know, X is older and stronger, more experience. Maybe he'll be better overall, but Jalen had some real special things to his game that will be hard to replace. I just don't buy the progress argument because of all the things we just said. And I don't remember an off season recently where I did not have real hope going into the next season. Now that could change with recruiting some decommitments. Look, there was big news today. Garway Dwall. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but originally from Carmel, Indiana, I shouldn't say originally, I don't know if that's where he was born, but he played at Carmel. Then he went out to Southern California. He was up in Castaic playing for the Southern California Basketball Academy, committed to Providence, Ed Cooley, which by the way, I'll tell you what that means. He's a tough son of a bitch. That's mm -hmm. what you know. And apparently is a defensive hawk. Shooting is not his strong suit, but we did not recruit him very hard. And then I think there was some a bit of Monday morning quarterbacking of, oh, my God, should we have? He decommitted from Providence today. Is that somebody that we get into? Okay, he's a top 75 guy, depending on which ranking you look at. But look, where where we're sitting at right now, recording this podcast, we don't we don't have one commit from the transfer portal. Like oh, all, all we're left fair. with in the ashes of this season, and that's why it makes it so depressing, is this car hard cold reality staring us in the face of like we have no idea what our team looks like next year if the principal components of it are currently on the roster look i i, I love these kids and a lot of them have can do this or that the other but we do not have the replacement pieces for trace and for jalen and for miller and for uh, um race you know that that all of these guys, you know, and, and, and you could really try to convince yourself, well, this is going to open it up to a new, 
uh, a new style, a new mindset. It could be whatever. And we'll get into that more about Coach Woodson's postgame press conference comments on it. But the, I, I just and I read a lot of message boards over the last couple of days and, and I saw some optimism in there and I was looking through what they had to say to try to find something to hold on to. That's like, yeah, actually, that's a good point. This is why. We could be, I mean, I, nothing even came close to making me think we could be as good next year as we were this year. And this year was disappointing. Right. Ex exactly right. That's that's exactly right. I think my favorite thing I saw is someone suggesting that the stat, we bring back Tom Crean as an assistant coach for Woody to be the <laughs> offensive coordinator. That was my favorite. Look, there's a difference between hope and faith. And you and I love Indiana University basketball and will always love Indiana University basketball. And I love Mike Woodson for what he has done for Indiana University basketball in his life. And I love that he wanted to come back here and right the ship. And the ship is better than it was. It is not anywhere close to good enough. And it's hard to see how it gets there right now based on what we know today. But again, there's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is positive and you have hope because you see something that like this is the reason that it's going to be better faith is and i looked this up because it was based on a quote that i heard recently faith is evidence in the things not seen that's all we have right now we have faith that somehow the ship gets righted because there is no evidence it is unseen to show us that it will and well and a, a point on paper right a, now a point you've made which was you know usually in the context of this isn't great for for our recruiting prospects but right now where we're at and this is where we try to have some hope or faith you you can determine that of that Coach Woodson does seem to be better in the short-term recruitments than the long-term. Yes. And if you, and look, he's got Kenya and a staff that really is putting in the work. We've, we've heard from, from DJ uh, Jazzy Jeff Rabjohns that they're really focused on the portal right now and identifying the players and that you can say, hey, look at what we've done the last two seasons. Look how we're building this thing. And, oh, hey, Coach Woody, come in here and be the closer that you are in these short-term recruitments. And, uh, oh, hey, look, look, we're sending Jalen a potential lottery pick off after one year. Oh, look how Trace really got unlocked and went to the next level under Coach Woodson's tutelage. So there are still selling points along with the NBA pedigree that if, if I'm looking for a place to be hopeful, that's where where it could be. And and I, I hope that 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 hope ends up shining through but to your point things unseen that's all you know the last couple of big time recruits we got in a short recruitment were malik and jalen and they turned out great but here we are a year later and we're just praying to have a couple of those prayers answered again yeah I, and that's in the end that's exactly what it's going to be and i also say this this is big time basketball. You know, the, the, this school will make 
80, $90 million from the Big Ten Network next year. The Indiana basketball program is one of the most profitable five basketball programs in the country. They sell tickets. They sell merchandise. Um, they have good media rights deals and great sponsorship deals. The coaches are there to win, period. The coaches are there to win. And assistant coaches are there to recruit. And while Kenya has delivered Jalen and Tamar, who, you know, look, he was a five star, borderline five-star and just hasn't panned out. We'll get into that a little bit later so far. Yah and Brian Walsh have to step up. I get it. Walsh is brand new. Brand new into the big job. Doesn't matter one bit. They have to deliver. And what Yah has delivered so far and, and Walsh, you know, in his short time, they haven't yet. Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups and Caleb Banks, which is what has come out of the Walsh um, Yah contingent, is not good enough to get Indiana to where it needs to be. It's not even close to good enough. And they have to step up and deliver. Now, they're not the only ones recruiting. Coach Woodson's got to bust his tail this transfer portal season and this offseason amongst these decommitments. And he also has to lock in 2024. Like these kids on the 2024 that have been, you know, lauded on the message boards and on Twitter that were in the conversation for and in the top fives and top eights and on the lists for, this offseason is where you cement those relationships. This is it. This is their last AAU season. Is this coming, you know, summer? This is their last summer to play. So you better lock them in. Um, and, and, and that's going to take a ton of hard work from everybody. And it is the only way we get out of this is bring in dudes. And Ward, what is the other component that we need to ensure that we keep bringing in more dudes. Cash money. HHNIL.com, baby. Yeah. We need, I mean, more than ever. And I saw so many messages on the Peaks board from people being like, hey, uh, it's IU, and we've got this, and we've got this, and we've got NIL money. And I hope everybody who made those comments are contributing. Because exactly right. that, that that can never be taken for granted. You have worked your ass off to to make sure that we are are prominent in that arena thus far. But it's not like, okay, great, we got it checked. Don't have to worry about that anymore. It's not like the five banners that are hanging. That's something that needs to be actively pursued and contributed to daily because that can go away very quickly. And when all this SEC money that is floating around from big boosters who've had football teams on their payroll for decades, you know, and now there's it just, just like the football money down there is just ridiculous. And that's why the SEC is becoming the apex predator of basketball conferences now too. And for, for us in a mediocre basketball conference to survive the, the best chance we have is knowing we have, I'd say, the best fan base in college basketball. It's huge. It's passionate. 
It's incredibly loyal, but that needs to translate to dollars to, to get these players who could go to Alabama or Arkansas or Tennessee or Georgia's coming now. Just you can tell Georgia with Mike White why he made that move. And, you know, Texas is coming into the equation. It's like, holy shit, it is scary. And and those banners aren't going to mean a damn thing if there's not dollars to back them up. And look at Miami. Miami. Miami is there because of NIL. I mean, the guy negotiated the contracts in public, breaking the rules. So yes, there are people that still break the rules even with NIL. We don't. We're aggressive. We're there primarily for Indiana University basketball with the hhnil.com fund. And I'm, I am begging you, if you haven't yet, sign up for a monthly contribution. Give what you can per month. It's Think of it, Ward made this uh, analogy over a year ago. Think of it like what you would pay for Netflix or HBO Max or Amazon Prime or Hulu or any of your Paramount Plus, any of your entertainment expenditures. That's what Indiana University is. And I would bet you, you've got a lot more invested and a lot more skin in the game and emotion in the game when it comes to Indiana. Well, if you want to help that thing be better and more enjoyable for you, go to hhnil.com. I'm going to reiterate this again. We haven't done one of these pleas in a long time. We don't take a penny of the money. We don't. You know, and my wife wishes we did, but we don't. <laughs> yeah, so did my kids' college education. But we don't do it because we love Indiana. We're working our asses off to make Indiana better. And the way we can help fa- uh, help Mike Woodson as fans, the way we can help Indiana University, the most impactful way is to make sure that we've got a war chest in NIL money so that when these kids decide to transfer to Indiana or come to Indiana as recruits, Uh, coming out of high school, that they are supremely confident that there are ample NIL opportunities waiting for them. And when when they get on campus and we're able to make deals, we make them quick, we make them aggressively, and they share that information with all of their friends and all of their AAU coaches and all their high school coaches and all their friends. And agents. agents. Great point. And agents. So that they know that we're here. We don't take a single penny out. Every penny goes directly to the players. So hhnil.com, we implore you, please sign up. Please make a contribution, and please consider making it a monthly one. I think we have had no choice but to just wear our heart on our sleeve here. The disappointment in this season, uh, fretting about next season in the future. Uh, But I really do want to take a moment to just give all the love in the world to what these players who are going to be leaving us uh, have contributed to this program. And it's been a very difficult time, you know, look, doing what we do and talking about the players who were there when coach Knight was fired and when Mike Davis was fired and when Kelvin Sampson just totally took a massive shit all over the program. And then at the end of Crean's time, it's like, man, it's, there's a lot of IU players who have had to endure less than good times in the last, you know, 20 plus years. And, and this group is no exception. These guys who came in with Archie when Archie was really 
except for race who came in with branch mccracken you know uh, a lot of these guys came in with archie when archie was already starting to feel the heat um they decided to stick it out with coach woodson or guys like miller came in or x came in um and said you know what we know what this program means to this university to the alums to the students to the state of indiana to to just all of college basketball what iu uh, has meant to the history of this game. And they, they, they have worked their asses off. And for whatever reason that it really came to a disappointing conclusion, um, I just can't express the, the gratitude, the love that I have for first and foremost, Trace Jackson Davis, you know, and, and race and Miller, um, you know, and, and look, and guys who will hopefully be on the team next year and will continue to help hopefully work us back to the place we all know IU basketball belongs. But for these guys who left it all out on the court and, and you know, we'll get into that later about how this last game went down and how the games we lost went down. I, I know there wasn't one of these guys who said, you know what, I'm going to come out tonight and half ass it or running up and down the court being like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and pack it in tonight because uh, I don't care that much. They they care way more than any of us. And for whether it be God-given talent or or coaching or matchup or whatever it is that conspired to fall short of everybody's well-stated goals for this year, um, I I just want to say thank you to those players and and also know that I will always look back on watching Trace Jackson Davis this year and Jalen Hood Shafino with awe in what those two guys did in their respective positions. Trace being maybe maybe one of the last true great four-year players we'll ever see, and Jalen being the best freshman point guard we've had since Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I'm going to push back on one thing, and I'm not trying to start a fight here. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that we know that they care a lot more than we do. I'll say I'm confident that they care as much as we do. Because I'll say that I'll say they put in a lot more time and effort and sweat than anybody listening or talking did. Sweat, yes. Time, I don't know. I mean, there are people. Ward, we put in a lot of time. Like, there are people that Indiana University, and we've put in a lot of time for 20-plus years, for almost 40 when it comes down to how long we've been fans. Look, Indiana University is really meaningful to a lot of people. And there are people, we know this, hundreds of thousands of people who care deeply. It, it helps define who they are as people. And I, I, this is not to disparage these guys. What I'm saying is they care I, I am confident that they care as much as those people. And that's saying something. I, I do. I don't think you can care more than the 90-year-old that's gone to every single home game for 75 years. Yeah, but, but but then to say it's like it's an exact draw. It's, it's a tie between yes. us and them. I, I just I think, think that's I – th I think that's – It's a draw. It immeasurable. is. It's immeasurable. Well, of course it is. So you can't say they care more. All right, but I did. I just think I just think we all there we all care immensely about this. 
And one of the things that as fans we want is we want to know that the guys wearing the candy stripes who are blessed with amazing talent and work ethic and genetics, that they care as much as we do. And Jalen was crying in the locker room. We, we talk about that coming up. Trace was devastated. Race, you know, fought through injuries that we don't even know about to play. I... I, I am confident that they care as much as they should care. They, in well, the end, okay, I, all right. they just that, didn't that, win. They just yeah. didn't win. They just didn't win enough. They just, as a collective group, weren't good enough. And some guys win and some guys don't. And unfortunately, we lost more than we all wanted to. But I do want to say, to echo your sentiments about how grateful I am, those seniors, Race, Trace, and Miller Cop. Not one problem in four years with those. Six years with Race, four years with Trace, two-plus years with Miller. Yeah. Never a even hint of a problem. Yeah, no whiff Talk of scandal with those kids. Good young men, good leaders, people that are going to contribute to society. Like, they represented the Candy Stripes better than we do. <laughs> oh, oh without question. Not and not once did they tweet a motorboat video. Not once. Exactly, not one time. They probably laughed at it. They yeah, probably well, you know, hey, it. they got a good sense of humor, these but, kids. But these kids are more than line scores. We know that from this podcast. We've talked to many of them. We've gotten to know all three of these kids throughout the years. They are good young men who care deeply about Indiana and care deeply about representing the history, the alumni the program, the school at the highest level. And they did that. It's unfortunate that they couldn't win more, but they represented us with class, dignity, and respect. And I admire that and will always respect it. And as a fan, I'm always going to be pissed off that we didn't win enough. Yeah, I mean, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Well, and for Trace, uh, I do. I like, he deserved better for, for what he, he put in. And there's a million reasons, and we'll go through some of them later, that that is. We'll all be dissecting it, uh, at, certainly in the offseason, because what else do you have to do besides look at the season what was and what the, the season to be? Um, and it's it's just such a shame somebody who statistically is on par with anybody else who laced up, you know, from, from the production on the court. Like, there's a very, very strong argument. He's on the Mount Rushmore of of stats guys. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's no, just you, math. When you, when you put when you when you say the Mount Rushmore of stats, yeah, sure. that's for what sure. I said. You yeah. know, and no but we all know that stats will always be secondary at Indiana University, in, for an individual compared to the only stat that really matters, which is wins and yeah. championships. And the, the thing I would add to that is you said, you know, for what he put in, he deserved more. Look, Trace, Race, and Miller all put in everything they had and put their bodies on the line and fought through stuff that behind the scenes never got out. And maybe it will over the coming weeks on some of the injury stuff and off-the-court stuff adversity that these guys had to fight through, which is some of it is very harrowing. But the shame of it for me is that when you have a Trace – who is just clearly one of the best players in the country, arguably the best this year. I mean, he was in the conversation for Big Ten, and he's in the conversation for National Player of the Year. 
a talent like that at a school like Indiana deserves more success Yeah, as a team. When we had Calbert Chaney, who was the best player in basketball, we went to a Final Four and an Elite Eight. We won multiple Big Ten championships. When we had Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo, they were the number one seed. They won um, a Big Ten champ, two Big Ten championships. No, no, they won one Big Ten championship, went to two Sweet Sixteens. When we had Isaiah Thomas, he won a national championship. When we had Scott May and Kent Benson, they won a national championship. When you have the best player in the country, Steve Alford was one of the best players in the country. He wins a national championship. It is such a shame that that player with that talent doesn't get to play on the biggest stage. Yep. And he didn't in his four years in Indiana. And that will always be a shame. And That's damn it, it, damn it. If we could have just won one or two more games, I do think, I do think there better. There was a groundswell that that might have tipped the National Player of Year honors into Trace's favor. Like if he'd been able to show out for a couple more games, and I think I read that the voting takes place around the Elite Eight for that award, you, you could already tell that the, the narrative nationally was, well, maybe it really should have been Trace all along instead of Zach Eady, but then we lost to Miami, and I just think that momentum was probably crushed. Yeah, and I do think there were two things that hurt Trace in that in that battle. Number one is he didn't have a great non-conference, in part because he didn't play that much because we were blowing teams out, and so he didn't have the need to dominate the game. And, and truthfully, it's what gave us all fool's gold on this season because we dominated really bad teams. And, and so he just wasn't able to build the stats that Edie did. And two, his injuries. Yeah. Uh, his injuries prevented him from being at full strength for a lot of those games. And that depressed his numbers that ended staggeringly good. Yeah. So take those things into consideration, consideration, <laughs> and then add that we did not compete for a Big Ten championship. And Zach Eady gets the, the praise. We did go further than Purdue in the NCAA tournament. So we'll always have that. And we went as far as Kentucky. So we'll always have that. Um, well, and, and, even though it was because we played the last game of the round of 32, our season lasted longer than Kansas, Kentucky, as you mentioned, Duke, North Carolina was out of it a while ago. Um, it sure is fun to see all those schools uh, do even worse than us in the postseason. Oh, and let me just say this, too, if I may. Please. I'm not congratulating other schools. I don't give a shit about Michigan State winning and representing the Big Ten. I want them to lose. I don't root for other players. I don't give a shit about other teams. No hat tipping from us. No way to go. Pat on the ass. I don't like it. I don't believe in it. We hate everybody else. We love Indiana University. We're the Hoosier hysterics. That's right, brother. And and I will say I had such a fun time watching this tournament while we were in it again because we had those the very last slot for both rounds i was able to enjoy all those other games so much more knowing hey we're still dancing we're a part of the party now that we're not piss on this turd i'm 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 going back to ufo podcasts and that's it <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of aliens, let's bring on our next and our only <laughs> guest today. What do you say? Sure, man. Sure. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. 
ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here in this very special post-mortem episode of Hoosier Hysterics, we're joined by the mortician who's going to help us break down the dead body and see exactly what killed our dear friend, the Indiana men's basketball team. Eric, who do we have? He's our favorite. He's a regular. He's known from coast to coast by one word, Dutch. Please welcome the former Big Ten Player of the Year, a man who had great success at Indiana individually and more importantly as a team, Brian Dutch Evans. Let's get right into it. Uh, Dutch, what, give us, give us, I know you have a list of bullet points that you want to hit and we will hit each one, but let's just start with what do you take from what we saw on Sunday night? That was a tough one to, to watch and to, you know, tough one to swallow when you, we've watched all the games like we have. Um, and that's the team that always gets us beat, the one that gets beat to the 50-50 balls and and just doesn't look really connected defensively. Um, you know, our team, we've, we've won some games. We haven't shot it perfectly. And everything else, we've struggled through. And we, we can win in certain games. We can't win when we don't win with effort. When, we, when we're the team that looks slower to the ball, we lose those games. And that's what I was seeing from the beginning. And I thought, you know what, when we got caught up there for a minute and had that little lead, I thought maybe that's what we needed. You hear everybody talking about that transition through three of Miller cop. I was actually fine with that because I've been wanting that guy to be aggressive for so long. That's just a shot. I would say as a, as a shooter and a former player is you just got to make it. And that's the one it's okay to shoot it. You got to make that shot. Uh, Cause I, but I really do believe at that point in time in the game, if that goes in, we may have had a different outcome than what we got, which is that's pretty deflating because we did fall apart and quit. And, you know, instead of 10 minutes, it looked like we just didn't even believe that we were going to come back in that game. That, that one was, that's tough to handle. Yeah. Eric, called it as it happened he he couldn't let it go after it happened and the thing is with miller and he hit some big ones early that kind of kept us in it when it seemed like they might run away uh but you can tell with miller not not the way the ball leaves his hand but what's going on with his feet and his body that it's like wow it didn't it didn't have a chance he just seemed rushed and kind of frightened instead of like let me just shove this dagger into him it was more like let me get rid of this as quickly as i can yeah i don't know i mean it's a deflating day here guys that we we were we were so close if we just come out and play with the effort and, and we've struggled this all year. We just didn't have it. We, we look slow to the ball. And to me, that was the game, you know, look at their offensive rebounds. I, the stat sheet, I, you rarely see this. I mean, we measure up field goal percentage, everything that we did, we didn't, we hit enough threes. We did enough to, we just didn't go after the ball and they, they were more aggressive than us and played like they, they desperately needed to advance. We didn't feel like we desperately needed to advance. I don't, at least that's not what I saw. No, I totally agree. All right, so yep. let's just get into it. Why the hell 
does that happen? I mean, this is a team that lost 12 games this year. That's a lot of losses. Eight of the 12 losses were by double digits. Eight of the 12, we were not in the game. Eight of 12. And we're not talking about just the world beaters of Kansas and Arizona, who both, by the way, lost in the first and second round, respectively, who, you know, to much lesser teams. We're talking about the Penn States, the Iowas, the Miamis, the uh, Michigan State, currently the, the only Big Ten team in the Sweet 16, and we'll get into a Big Ten conversation later. But this is a team that got smoked eight times this year by slow white guys, by athletic long guys, by, I mean, like, by Rutgers, who just plays a rock fight, by Michigan State, by Iowa, by Penn State, by Miami. Why, why, why does this team come out and not give the effort and fight that virtually everyone else does? Why? Didn't take me long to get angry, by the way. I think we need. I think we needed that. That was well timed. Let's start this thing off. Let's get to it. Um, yeah, I. You know, Jalen. Let's. I'll, I'll go there first. I mean, we've decided he's. Be, I mean, he's become the number two man, right? Batman and Robin. And I. I hate saying this because we've all been supportive of him all year, and we've been. You know, we understand he's a freshman, and it, game after a big game. You know, he's had that law where he played so good at Purdue. The next game, he looked terrible at home. With his head wasn't attached to his body. That's the first time all year that I thought playing for somebody other than Indiana University. I thought he was playing for scouts yesterday. I, I really did. I, I want to watch the game again. I just, I, he, he was, he, he was t- settling for threes way more than he ever had. I, I, I just, he was weak defensively he didn't go after some of those 50 50s i was talking about long rebounds he wasn't moving towards the ball Uh, maybe he had a horrible game maybe i'm jumping the gun but i think all that talk of next level next level he was he was playing for scouts and not indiana last night at least at least from my perspective i would i would counter and this is from a, a report by our very own beloved jeff rabjohns that Jalen was absolutely devastated after the game that in the locker room, he was, he wasn't just crying. He was basically destroyed. And, and I think not to say Brian, pardon me, pardon me, Dutch, that, that, that couldn't have been creeping into his mind of like his future, his family, whatever. But I do believe this is a kid who put his heart and soul into being an Indiana university Hoosier for the months that we had and to your point of him being a freshman and some games better than others if anything i'd say maybe maybe he was just especially with some of the early forced shots he just wanted to be the jalen we saw at purdue or even in the north carolina game we're like come on guys get on my back let me get us going and it just wasn't there it could be like i said i'm not I'm not really trying to uh, attack him. I just I, I'm looking at the effort plays. If you if it hurts that bad to lose after the game, then give every ounce that you have during the freaking game. And I didn't see that, mm. so that's where that's where I'm coming from. I just didn't see the effort. He wasn't dialing on defense. The guy's been getting beat on back cuts, layups. People drove 
by him, to cut behind him. Um, yeah, but but more than that, it was when the ball was loose, when when and there was many times it bounced once in the lane and nobody was around it. He wasn't going towards the ball. We were pointing at each other. I don't I can't think of a lot of games other than that three game skid that, you know, was really ugly. I think it was Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern. Yeah. Um we saw a little bit of that look, you know, hands up in the air. Wait, was that you? Is that me? Was it, who is that? It's not me. Can't be me. There was a ton of that shit last night. And that, that really sucks to play like that in an NCAA game where we don't know whose assignment it was. And everyone's basically, you know, blaming other people for lack of effort when I, they were all doing it. And that's, that, that's to me what was the most disturbing part of that game last night. I, I don't disagree on the outcome and the, the effort. I mean, it just did not look like anyone was really locked in. Um, I, I like Jalen a lot, gotten to know him over the last, what, like year plus now that, that we first met him. And I, I just really like him. I think he's a super mature kid, and I think he loved his time at Indiana, and I think he was dedicated and committed. I think he had an atrocious game. And I will tell you, the moment that I was really bothered was in the first half. The guy blows by Jalen, and during the play, during the play, he looks to complain to the referee. Like, during the actual play, I don't remember ever seeing that. The guy drives by him from the top of the key, and while the guy is still driving, the play isn't complete. He's complaining to the ref. And then Race Thompson did the same thing multiple times, complaining to the ref. We were absolutely not locked in. They beat us up, and Race and Trace, they own as much of the blame as anybody because they should have been able to bully the hell out of these guys and rebound the basketball, and it looked like they thought, well, we're race and trace. We'll just get the rebounds. And they didn't fight for position. They just thought they could get the boards and got beat all game by effort, effort, effort. And I absolutely blame the players for that, okay? That the players are the ones playing. But this happened so often this year, too often. Don't you have to look at the coaching and go, what message are you trying to share that either isn't getting through or you're not communicating it well enough that that we haven't held guys accountable enough that in the biggest games of the year the games where we had the most chance to compete for a big 10 title we shat the bed the games in the big 10 tournament against penn state we shat the bed here in the big in the in the tournament against a, a fine Miami team, a team by the way that didn't even win a shitty conference in the ACC, they didn't even make it to the ACC championship game in the tournament. They're not world beaters, you know. And we shit the bed against them. Don't you have to look at coaching and go, what's going on here, Dutch? That was for Ward, wasn't it? Nope. Oh, no, yes. it wasn't. Uh, I agree. For me, it was for yes, Ward. It was not for Ward. It was not. We talk. Nothing I say is for Ward when somebody else is on the on the, the stream. Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I, you have to. You have to ask. I mean, and Purdue has to ask that question too. I mean, you know, when your team doesn't show up and gets out toughed, you you gotta. The players play. I mean, it's a fine line there, right? You you got to blame the players for not bringing it. Like, do you need a, a pregame locker room speech to get in this tournament that you've been dreaming about your whole life? I mean, every single guy dreamed about playing in that tournament. How in the world could you play in that tournament and give less than a 
hundred percent effort. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. We, this, the game didn't sneak up on them. You dream your whole life. You know, I don't know how you could have people like us sitting around the next day talking about your effort. I, that, that blows my mind. And there's plenty of blame to spread all around down there. I mean, yes, coaches, locker room, players, locker room. There's plenty of blame because that's, that is, that should be unacceptable to us to, to listen to press conferences. And, and I didn't, to be honest with you. Um, I read, a, I read a couple uh, statements, but I didn't listen. And I don't know that I want to, do, do they talk about, they had, they out toughed us. They had more effort that did, did players say that? Did the coach say that? Yeah. I mean, Trace talked about, he's like, they just got to the loose balls. They played with more energy. They play, you know, they just played hard from the beginning. Um, we didn't. We didn't. We just did not. It was their effort. It's not the first time Trace has said this recently in a press conference. And and so start, like, maybe we need a psychologist to call in and and give us some expertise. But I'm just like, is it is it the DNA of the team somehow? And I don't know where, like, I think we all want something to blame. So then something or someone, so, so then you can correct it. You can be like, well, this was the problem this season. This is why we continually in these games, we lost often against inferior talent, almost in conference, I think always against inferior talent. Why? And, you know, as, as Dutch said, coaching staff players, I mean, Brian, Let's go to the senior leaders on the team in your era under your coach. Ultimately, so much was put on the seniors, on the captains and those we had this year with the exception of, of X who did not play will not be on the team next year. Do you, do you think ultimately as far as a culture change of just being like, F you, we're not going to lose. We're certainly not going to get out hustled by you as incredible as trace has been and we need to spend you know at some point 20 minutes just talking about how great that kid has been for us for four years but we also know he's a really nice guy he's a good kid and and is there just like you know is is there something if you have maybe somebody like an x and it's like next year x it's your team and you got that edge, that refusal to lose. Is is that where we can try to find hope moving forward? Because it's it is hard to see any hope right now. Yeah, I want to deflect that question till later. I mean, because now we're talking about the future. I let's hold off a second. I agree with you. We need to celebrate and maybe salute that kid for the you know the the body of work. I, we didn't not advance because he's a nice guy. You know, that that's not why we didn't advance. I, I, I he's played he's played as hard as he can. I don't like the post game. That that post we've covered it. That post game we didn't show I didn't show up ready to play. I I can't I think that's just the, the wrong thing for him to say. Here's a I think real it's true. Quick, real find quick, it, find a different way to say it. Yeah. Here real quick, here's the quote. Just there's several quotes, but here's a quote. They were playing relentless on the glass, so they punished us, and that's what they did, honestly. Well, why weren't we playing relentless? Why why wasn't our team playing we relentless? Um, 
So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that there there has no, been no, no, no. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, who do you blame? I was. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, you're fine. I I was just gonna say I I thought Race and Trace both looked like they were in quicksand. You know, they they weren't the best second jumper. All the things that we've talked about. I mean, he he gets off the ground so fast. He was really not up around the ball. It was like he was waiting for rebounds and not up, you know, tipping around the glass and, and you know, holding somebody off and then releasing to the ball. It, it was just shocking. It was like, man, we're not – they're doing it. We're not doing it. And, and I got to tell you this. They weren't climbing all over the glass. There was a lot of, like, loose rebounds, like, that were uh, – that bounced and, and were just hanging around in the lane, and we still didn't go after the ball. There was, a, you know, there's a couple really bad ones that Galloway was involved, Shafina was involved, Race was involved in a bunch of them. Was like, I, I in my little notes section uh, in my phone late last night, I'm trying to prepare for this call. And uh, if I was like I was a coach and it was some chalk talk thing, and yeah. one of them was Race can't move. Race can't move is what I wrote down. Now, why can't Race move? I don't know. Well, I mean, some of it is just that's how he is built. Like, he's just not a great athlete, you know? I mean, it's just – but, but like, that's who he is, and that's not a surprise to anybody. My problem with that specifically is look at how Miami played basketball. Look at how Penn State plays basketball. Look at how Arkansas, Alabama – Look at the teams that are in the the Sweet 16 play basketball. Hell, Florida Atlantic, you know, Houston. Just Well, Houston's a little different because that's just a bunch of sons of bitches who just are dogs and just go after you. But we play a horrible style of basketball. Horrible. We play two guys that cannot shoot outside. I don't even want to call it the lane. It's not fair to call it the lane because the lane extends out to 15 feet. Our guys play within six feet. They they showed the shot chart of Trace Jackson Davis from the Kent State game, and it was hilarious. All the makes were at the basket, and all the misses were a semicircle just outside the restricted area, basically. I mean, that, and we decided for the last two years, like, keep that in mind. Two years, he, Woody and the staff decided this is how we're going to play basketball. They could have gone into the transfer portal and said, okay, after year one, we can't win at the highest levels playing two guys in the post like this. We got to change it up. What did they do? They doubled down on it. They doubled down. They went back to it, and we were exposed against teams that play spread out and have guards that can drive, we got totally exposed. That's the thing that bothers me the most. I don't blame race for who race is genetically. He's a tough guy, big, strong, Um, had moments, you know, I mean, look, played great against Kent State. I mean, played great against Kent State. Not sure we win if it's not for a race against Kent State. But in this kind of game, we aren't built to play this style of basketball. And what pisses me off as a fan it doesn't take two years to get a team to play that style. Kansas State was shit last year. They're in the Sweet 16 playing a wide-open style. Like, we've seen it. 
We've seen it over and over again now. Guys can turn programs around really quickly with the transfer portal. But you have to start with the thought of how do you want to play? And we don't want to play. We did not choose to play anything different than we're going to bang it inside. Bang, 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 bang. And we got exposed. So I, I don't put that on race. I put that on the system that well, was built we, around these guys. Well, we got a we have an NBA coach trying to play an NBA game without NBA players is what we have. But Brian, that's a fair statement, and I I think I agree with a lot of it. But the NBA doesn't play back to the basket post guys anymore. They used to, not but that's yeah, right, what? not anymore. Right, not anymore. So we're playing. I agree, not anymore. But but I, I mean, I that that. Mm-hmm. You're saying we're playing an old sorry. school no. NBA style, or even just the idea that, like, hey, here's our couple best players. Let's just give them the ball and see what happens. So, so you know, I played for Chuck Daly for a period of time. Um, you know, I think he influenced a lot of guys in the NBA and. Chuck's policy, he, he was a, a veteran coach, right? Stick with the vets. It, it, it reminds me when I watch Woody and how much he's stayed with and hung with those, those you know, Miller and the senior guys. Um, and the philosophy was always make them make a change. You know, what you wanted to do is, you know, have the edge over the other coach going, I'm going to make him stop this play. Until they can stop this play, we're going to run this play. I don't care what it looks like. don't care how Warren is. And almost wear that, like, hard hat blue collar mentality like you're gonna you're gonna make a change before i make a change and so we just like like eric said we doubled down on on we're gonna try to shoot balls at point blank range with trace jackson davis on every possession of the 2022-23 season i'm more blown away how much it worked it worked 23 times and you're right when they do a shot chart we didn't shoot outside the lane i i'll tell you this i want to salute the guy in a minute here but I also have to say, I was like, every time he missed a shot, I'm like, oh, my God, he can't make a three-footer. And he was seven for ten. Like, I was pissed at the three shots he missed because those were still inside the, the the little lane, inside the lane. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they were still inside of that, and he missed them. I felt like he didn't have a great game. And I go look at his stats. His stats are unbelievable. Again. Right. I, I'd say the one. a great game in an NCAA game, 23-10 and whatever. But yeah. the the one thing about his stats that stands out to me is he only got 10 shots. Why did Trace Jackson Davis only get 10 shots? Yeah. Because- well, it's not because we weren't trying to give it to him. We couldn't, well, we couldn't enter the ball to him. So here's, what I, here's the other thing I saw is we have – when you're scouting and you're trying to prepare for a team, you only had two days or a day and a half to do it, right? So now you got to lean on the staff. And I think this is where we got hurt. I think they have a really a good staff that's that's been together for a long time. I don't look at us like that. We're we're still learning the college game in a lot of ways. What are you going to take away? If you have a day and a half to prepare, you're looking at, and I'm talking about Bob Knight. What are we, I mean, the, the first team meeting is, here's what they do best. That's what we're going to try to take away. And if it's something that coach thought from a, a personnel standpoint would be hard for us to take away. Right. Um, maybe it's Gary, Tr- maybe it's somebody that's such an outstanding player that you go, you know what, we're going to have a hard time with our personnel taking that away from them 
So we're going to take the next two things away. They're, the, the thing that they're second and third best things about their offense, that's what we're going to take away from them. And then see if with, with their A game, if they can beat us. I look at our team, and I watch us play defense, and I'd watched enough Miami just because I watched just enough ACC, and I knew they had some dudes, right, those scrappy just dudes. We don't have enough dudes on our team. Xavier might be, to your point, where might be a dude. They had enough of them, but I, I couldn't tell. And I'm not – listen, I don't do this for a living. I watch basketball. I think I know what I'm watching. I can't discern from my seat in my living room what we were trying to take away from them. Mm. I could tell what they were trying to take away from us, and that's why he only had 10 attempts. Mm. That's your answer. Yeah, I, I – um. It's really frustrating. It's uh, it's really frustrating. And I want to uh, just piggyback on it. Well, no, I don't want to piggyback on it yet because it is about the future. And so we'll wait on that. Um, how do you think Trace will be remembered at Indiana? Ward and I were having this debate a little bit last night on, and at Ward, I had a couple more guys pop into my my head, but like guys who statistically were awesome, right? I mean, he was awesome. You you could argue statistically no one in the history of Indiana basketball has been as impressive when you consider all of the categories, right? As productive. Right. But from a winning standpoint, there are dozens and dozens of guys who won more than, than him with less production. Ward brought up like the Van Arsdale twins who, you know, are legendary in some way. I think they're legendary both because of production and because of the story, great story, but they didn't win anything at Indiana. And it was a long time ago. I was thinking somebody like AJ Guyton, you know, AJ Guyton is in the top five scoring. I think top five, six scoring of all time at Indiana, maybe one of the best scores we've ever had at IU could get a shot off anywhere. Went to the tournament every year that he was there, by the way. So he did win some, I don't think he had a losing record in the big 10 ever, but didn't win anything significant, didn't win a Big Ten title, um, didn't go far in the NCAA tournament. And I think AJ is remembered kindly by people that were fans, but no one thinks of him as an all-time great the way they do Calvert and Alford and, you know, May and Buckner and Isaiah and Randy Whitman. And I think you could point to, like, a Bellamy or a McGinnis as guys who didn't win anything, you know, McGinnis obviously only played for a year, yeah. but they became all-time great professionals, and that's part of why their legacy is still strong. It wasn't because they hung anything in Assembly Hall or the field house. Right. What do you think, Brian? How does Trace get remembered at Indiana? What's his legacy? That's a, I mean, it's a complex answer, to, in, at least in my opinion. I, I think this always happens from from your era like when you're in uh, middle school high school college shortly at, at of IU let's say you're an Indiana born and raised and a, just a huge fan people from age 10 to 25 are gonna because he's their era are gonna put him and keep him really high you That's know fair. yeah for good reason right that's what they saw that's what they loved I would have done it probably when I was a kid um, and he, and he was a dynamic sort of player. Um, 
And then the, the older folks are going to that remember all those guys that you guys have listed and they remember the winning and their their fondest memories are going to be of winning. So they're going to take even more pedestrian players from those winning teams and they've built them up and they've inflated them. And, and I'm not going to name people that I've done that with. I, I know who they are. And there's there, there's a lot of them. And I don't want to call them out like they weren't that it's going to sound like they weren't that good. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But when you're fond of a team and you love a roster you're going to think of somebody that averaged 10 points a game and maybe put them on par with, with Trace. You know, what would Trace have done? How would Trace have played on the eight, 93 Hoosiers? Let me ask you a better question. How much would he have played on the 93 Hoosiers? I don't know. I don't know. So how would he have fit in with a really good team? You know, you're, you're not coming down and giving the ball every damn time. Right. And he gets in as many attempts to try to attack the rim over his right shoulder as humanly possible. He's had a lot of opportunity because that's been the strategy to play like that, which is a crazy strategy that doesn't win. So, you know, it's you can't pin it on him that his coach was Archie Miller and they couldn't get in the tournament. He was a young kid. He was a freshman, sophomore, trying to find his own game, trying to fit into you know the college game and playing a really shitty brand of basketball. I'm not going to pin that on that kid. I want to salute him. He had a great career and he and he had incredible video game stats as a senior can't take it from him. You can't take it from him. He did it. And I actually thought at some point in time, he's going to tip over, you know, about midway through big 10. I'm like, this kid's no way we're asking him to sustain this. How in the world is he going to stay? He kind of did. So, I mean, I want to, I want to say first off, Hey, great career to that kid. You know, we've, I don't think we've been overly hard on him. I think we've tried to celebrate him and, but also we're just not thrilled with the brand of basketball that we play. You said it, Eric. I'm not either. It's just not a brand of basketball that, that can win a Big Ten title, that can advance in the tournament. It's just kind of a shitty brand of basketball. And, you know, if you're the coaching staff, do you say, well, these aren't my guys. I'm just, you know, this is the hand I will help. Yeah, you probably get to do that. You get to probably push no, it away. But K-State, all trans. At some point in time, we're going to have to find out what style we want to play. Okay. Wait. Well, oh, no, yeah. But I know hey, where guys, you want. I, I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know where you want to go, Eric. Just hold on for because I want to say this about Trace while we're we're talking about this guy. Uh he he came into the program, and uh, it, I would say you know that was in a lot of ways the most depressing four years this side of of you know t- when Tom Crean showed up. So that's 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 something where he decides, hey, I want to be the in-state kid who goes to the legendary in-state school and I want to bring it back to its former glory. And I don't believe he had the the coaches or the players around him to do that. But in my mind, what I think his legacy should be aside from the video game stats, which are incredible and irrefutable. And, and you can't not say he was one of the most productive players, if not the most productive player across the board in Indiana University history, is that he left the program. I mean, he left the program in a better place than he found it. And and he could have bailed after the coach who recruited him was fired and said, you know what, I'm just going to try to start making some money and work on my own game. Um, and, and the way he talks about IU and his love for IU, I think that's really meaningful to me that I don't think he was there 
you know, out of some sort of like purely selfish motives. I think he was like, damn it, I want to win. I want to win. I want to come back and I want to make this thing what I remember hearing about what it was. And at least, you know, he remembers the Vic and Cody teams and stuff like that, but he was in diapers the last time we got to the final four. So I just really admire him for coming in. And despite not having what you had, Brian, when you showed up there or a lot of other great players had look at this coach, look at these teammates around me. He just stood in them by that basket on both ends of the court for four years and did his very best. And um, I think that's something that I love the idea of like the people who grew up with them. Trace is probably going to be their guy forever to a certain degree as, as you know, the Calbert era was for Eric and I, but for him to, to have just tried his very best to win. That's why it was so heartbreaking for me yesterday. It's like that kid could not have done more, but he just didn't have enough around him to get it done. I don't know, but I didn't have enough around him. I really don't. I, you know, and the other thing is he, you know, I tried to already just say some really nice things about him and it it wasn't hard to do because I really think he's a good kid and he played hard. But he also admitted that he didn't – some games he just didn't bring it. I don't understand that. I don't know that he could be an all-time great to me. I, I talked about other people. Well, to me, he will not be one of the all-time greats. You know, I, it, just, it just can't be because of the lack of winning, advancing. Um, I, it, that doesn't mean he should have led his team to a Big Ten championship. But when you're picked by everybody to win the Big Ten championship and don't do it, it's one thing if you have a shit roster and, and you overachieve and tie for second in the Big Ten. That's not what happened. This was a team that has enough around him. So you can't bail him out and say he didn't have enough around him. This team was picked by everybody to win the Big Ten and didn't sniff it. Well, and and his the, the original Robin to his Batman didn't play all season. You know, and look, Jalen came in and did incredible things as a freshman, but you talk about the one other guy coming into the season that we thought was going to be, you know, the B player to Jackson's A uh, was was not available. He, he, he was he was on the bench. And like, you know, I'm not excusing this team for not winning the Big Ten or not getting to the Sweet 16 without Xavier Johnson. But I think there's a really good chance they win the Big Ten and get to the Sweet 16 if Xavier Johnson is playing. And when you take him out and you put in like a phenomenal but hot and cold freshman when it comes to scoring, who else you got on this team that seems like, wow, this this guy this guy should be starting on a Big Ten championship team. This guy should be starting on a Sweet Sixteen team. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't want to even go down that road. I I just don't agree with with the comment. Uh, we may be better without Xavier and Jalen running the team. We don't know. We don't know. You're basing it almost exclusively on like a five game stretch at the end of last year. It was more than that. It was like basically the last third of the year. He yeah, really but, but got cooking. We didn't win and, those games. And I'm not saying I'm not saying win. I'm not saying X is doing that all season long. I'm saying if you have those options, and we all know how how important guard play is when yes. it comes to the tournament. And if you have X and Jalen, whether out there together or spelling each other. To me, like you know, yes, I'm not saying we we definitely do better, but I'm saying there's a lot better chance. Like to me, was X worth? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go. I go, didn't mean go. to annoy you, but in my mind, 
X is worth four more wins this year. Yeah, I don't buy that. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. X may be worth four more wins and may also be worth four more losses. Well, no, because then you sit them. I, I don't agree with that. Well, I mean, last year oh, in that a, run, a that really you're talking, talented, really I can't important. You're not, you you went oh, on a run. I, Let me talk. Let me talk. You went on a long run. Let me finish. Me on a long run. Wow! You <laughs> imagine went on a long that. run. I'm trying to respond. Last year, Xavier Johnson was the point guard, even in his good stretch. And until the Big Ten tournament, if you remember, we shit the bed at the end of the year. Even when he was playing well and Trace was playing well, we shit the bed at the end of the regular season. Then we won two games in the uh, in the Big Ten tournament. And then against Wyoming, X was not very good. And then against St. Mary's, X was terrible. And then X played 10 games this year. And in the 10 games he played, he was inconsistent. He was good in some and not good in some. We weren't great. So I, I just... I, I hate even using it as any kind of explanation for this year. Without X, we had enough talent on paper to win a shitty Big Ten. Shitty Big Ten. A Big Ten that had a champion that lost to a team that was ranked in the 300s in the NCAA tournament with no injuries. They had no excuses. They're not good. The Big Ten has one team in the Sweet 16. One. It was a shitty conference with very little talent. We had two elite talent playing the vast majority of the year. It was enough to win the Big Ten tournament, uh, the Big Ten conference, and surely enough to do better than losing to Penn State in the semifinals. And they didn't. Who was who was killing us in Northwestern, Iowa, Penn State, Miami? Guards. Guards were getting around us. Guard, we were getting so – we were just letting them get to the lane. The reason they scored so many points in the paint, especially early on, is because our guards couldn't stay in front of them. X may be more hot and cold on offense, but to, to, you tell me that he couldn't have got out there and kept some of those guys from blowing around him the way Jalen and Trey let guys get blow around him? I'm sorry. I think we're overlooking what he could have done defensively. Maybe, but we didn't lose last night just because of guards. We lost last night because our bigs didn't rebound. They had 28 offense or 28 rebounds, 28 defensive rebounds to our 19. They had 20 offensive rebounds to our 12. They got second chance opportunity after second chance opportunity, not because of guard play, but because our bigs weren't good enough. That, I mean, like, well, we didn't I mean, it's it, like it's morphing into some other sort of debate. Like, to me, it's like, it goes I, I back just, to I'm just going back to I don't think X is the reason we didn't play. It really goes back to what Brian was saying and what you the original point of he didn't have enough around him. Trace had enough talent around him this year to win the Big Ten championship, to win the Big Ten tournament championship, and to go to the Sweet 16. There was plenty of talent around him to do that. I don't blame Trace for that. I blame the style of basketball that we play for that. And okay. my original point was it wasn't just about the players around him. It's 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 coaching too. Okay. I mean Fair. I mean yes. like but I but I how do you I how do you maximize the blame on the coaches? I put more of the blame on the coaches than I do the players because I think we had enough talent and, to win and more to me, than we won this year. And that's both regimes, right? Like that's not just with this regime. Like for Trace and his first couple years under Archie, I'm not I it's not like he was being put in a position to win by his coaches. 
Yeah, I mean, Archie was a terrible coach. Dutch has got to say something. Dutch has yeah, got to come in now. Dutch, he hates to, he hates to apply himself to your guys' podcast, but right now he senses it as, as kind of like the team captain. I, I got to step in and say something to this huddle. You guys are, you, you look like our, our team last night, fighting amongst one another. <laughs> so here's something that I saw at halftime that was horribly disturbing. Did you see who, by the way, is there any chance that we could, we could give Jay Wright a bag of money to come in and run our program? I love Jay Wright. I don't think we can buy him. I want to, I, we should try to buy him. He is the best. I think we, I think he's just outstanding, but he said something that was amazing at time at halftime was like, he was as a, as a great coach, he was bothered by how predictable we were. You could tell he hadn't watched us a lot. He could not believe how predictable we were and, and just like the big 10 was letting us enter the ball into trace. And it's like, there's a on the, on the uh, jumbotron. It's like, he's going to go to his right shoulder. He's going to go to his right shoulder. And the big 10, let us do it. They just let us give him the ball. And like, he wouldn't even hold, hold off a defender. It's like, they're going to come down the right side of the court and they're going to enter the ball into the right block to the left-handed trace Jackson Davis and teams in the tournament are going, uh, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's what we're going to try to take away. And then our guys, Trey Galloway, I mean, happened two or three times. We try to feed him the ball and it just gets taken. It was like, don't you know, we're going to, we're, we're, we're supposed to just give him the ball. Are you trying to stop us? That drove me up a wall. Jay Wright could not believe what he was seeing, that that's the offense that we've run the entire season. That's he couldn't believe it. Wow. That Warren and I didn't watch that because we were doing the Twitter spaces, but not surprising. And look, I've said this to. Oh, go watch it, man. Go see, go watch it, Eric. I'm dead. So you I will. I will look it. it up. I have it on record, so I'll go watch it. Uh, but I will say this: I've had a couple conversations with coaches of opposing teams, and coaches that may have scouted us in the past, and all of them had the same exact thing to say. The same exact thing. This is head coaches and assistant coaches. Indiana is the easiest scout that they had all year. The easiest scout. You, there is just nothing there. You know, now, now they all said, you do have to decide how you're going to play Trace. And he is a problem yeah. because he's so athletic and because he's so quick and because he became such a good passer this year, which is the most under overlooked um, aspect of his game. I know it drives Ward crazy every time they show his stats and they don't mention his assists, which I agree with because he's the best passing big man that we've had at Indiana. And in, I mean, I don't even know when it's been, he was, he really developed into that, but all of them said we're the easiest scout because we don't do anything. It's either dump it to trace. Everybody stands around or it's high pick and roll with Jalen and and you know what you're going to you just have to decide if you're going to play drop coverage or or try to fight over the screen that's it there's nothing else to worry about nothing and that is not on the players that's on the coaching and again we changed nothing from last year we really didn't we played the same style the same basketball with the same kinds of pieces. And you know what really bothered me? And I love Malik Renew and think that he can be really good. We didn't even try to like change the dynamic as the game went on any game. If race was out, Malik was in. 
If Trace was out, Race and Malik were in together. It We rarely actually tried, even when Trace was out, to play a different style. We would just put Race and Malik in together and play the same. Even when Trace went out, we didn't try to go small and play differently. We still would just try to pound it into Race or pound it into Malik, playing a 1985 Big East, Big Ten style of basketball. And we got smoked for it when we played teams that play modern basketball. They well can't said. hear you. They can't hear you nodding your head. <laughs> I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make a point here by just very. Do, yes. Yes. Everything <laughs> you just said. Yes. I, it's a. Well, I mean, maybe that's a good segue to what should we expect in the future? Is there is there going to be a meeting? I mean, if I'm in charge down there and I'm not, I mean, in charge, in charge. I'm I'm looking for a business plan. For 2023, 24, what are we going to do? How are we going to look different? How what's our style of basketball? Is it the same one? Are we just going to play the same way with different personnel like you just like you just said? Are we going to come down and do that again and just pretend it is Trace when it's not him anymore? Well, I'm, I'm calling for a business plan. Well, let me read a question and answer from the press conference that did drive me insane that I want to talk about. So in the press conference with Mike Woodson, he was asked, since you've been here, you've played through Trace Jackson Davis, and it's obvious why you did that. I'm just curious, looking forward, is it your intent to be more of a perimeter-focused team? What are your thoughts about your what are your thoughts about kind of your preferred style going forward? And here's the answer: It depends on personnel. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, can I jump in? I'm 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 just telling you, I got butterflies. First off, that is a hell of a question. I would really like to know who asked it, which reporter. <laughs> And I have to tell you that I'm nervous to hear the answer. <laughs> well, the answer is it depends on personnel. Now, he goes on to talk about how Trace is the first time that he's ever had to, like, he got a little convoluted because he talked about how Trace was the first time that he's had to utilize a center as a post-up player. But then he, he says, it's the first time in my career that I've had to coach a young man starting out on the block and expanding his game. I don't know what we're going to be next season in terms of how our style will be, but we've got oh. to be better. So here's what just drives me insane. This is not year one. This is not year two. We're talking about year three. You were not handed this group of players in year three. In year one, you're trying to assemble a team. Look, other teams have shown Jerome Tang at Kansas State, go out and get transfers, and you can change things immediately. Ward brought it up earlier about Kansas State. They're in the Sweet 16, beating Kentucky in the second round. Year one. Year one for Woody, he decided to keep everybody, basically. Now, he brought in Xavier, who was probably going to come even with Archie, truthfully, because Kenya was really close to Xavier. He was going to come no matter what. Um, and they brought in Miller Cop, and they brought in Michael Doerr, which was a giant mistake and was basically the same player as Joey Brunk and maybe even worse than Joey. Um, but he just decided to run with that team. But now you're going into year three. You've had 70 games of playing at the Division One level, two years in the conference where you did not compete for a Big Ten title, two years in the NCAA tournament where you did not uh, really come close to the Sweet 16. 
you should know at this point at a, as a head coach, what style of basketball do you want to play? What style of team do you think you need to compete and win at the highest level? You should know that and then work your balls off to go get the personnel that fits that style. The answer that he gave makes me feel like he's just looking at a bunch of talent and kind of going, yeah, I like that guy, like that guy, like that guy, like that guy. And then once you get all the talent, you just decide, well, we're going to play based on the guys that I like picked. But that's not what we should be doing ever, let alone in year three. Am I crazy that he should have it in his head what the style of play that he wants to have be the identity of Indiana University basketball and then go out and just balls to the wall. You've got great NIL resources. You've got great facilities. You've got national exposure. You've got um, NBA pedigree. You've got everything to go sell the players that you want to fit the system that you demand to play, not the other way around. Now, if something happens, and I'll stop my long run before Ward uh, rightfully shits on me for this long run. Um, if something happens where you have this incredible opportunity to get Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson to play together, then okay, you tweak your style a little bit because you got two all-timers. But all things being equal, have a style and go get the players that fit that style, not the other way around, not in year three. That answer scares the shit out of me. Brian, Dutch, your thoughts. Well, before you said that, I, I said, I you know, the if I'm the principal, I you're getting called into my office on this. I'm calling him in. What What is our style? What What is our game plan? How, you know, it's not, hey, you know, going to the portal, telling the assistants, hey, I'm afraid this might be what we're doing here. Hey, go on the portal, see what you can find in the portal. No, no. It's study who's in the portal and who you think would fit your style of basketball if, in fact, you have one. Who fits that style? And then you go after those people and let them know how important they are. I don't think that's going on guys. I, I think it's vacation time down in Bloomington is what I think is going on. I'm not willing to go there yet. I, I'm not I, like, I, 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 let's see what happens. I, I don't, I, I, I understand the concern and the fear, but let's see. I mean, last year, the off season was vacation time and they didn't put in, you know, I think the work that they realize hopefully that they need to. So let's see what happens this year. But Ward, what, what's your take on that answer? Am I overreacting to that answer? I I think we have been discussing on this show with this beloved guest, uh, especially earlier in the season when it, it, it we were like, well, w what is our style of offense in particular? Of course, it was disconcerting that our defense that was pretty damn stout last year went away which was like, oh, okay, well, let's Great leave point. that for a, a separate question or conversation. So when you have, I would say, factoring in those assists, the most potent offensive weapon 
in the United States of America on a college men's basketball team. And you can't come up with a, a, a system that where it's like, okay, you're going up against a great coach who can scheme to, to disallow trace to get what we normally want him to get. But then this is our plan B and our plan C to counter that and to still win anyway, because you're Northwestern or Penn state or Iowa. So we're still going to take you. Okay, so you take that away. You take that incredible weapon away. I mean, if if you don't, now you have a little bit more of a, as they say, a tabula rasa, a blank slate. Now it's yours, coach. Okay, you had this phenomenal talent, and we get while well, you did that. But now, just go at it. Build the team exactly as you think they should play. And somebody asks him that, and he's like, nah. We'll see. No, it's terrifying. I think you're absolutely right to be upset about that because here we all are st- still obviously like upset, grieving, mourning what was a disappointing season across the board. It was. Look, they could have pulled it off. They could have made a late run in the in the regular season and and locked it up with Purdue for the regular season, but we didn't. You know, we could have made a run in the Big Ten tourney and hung a banner that way, but we didn't. And then, you know, we could have gotten the Sweet 16 and put a little shine on the turd, but we didn't. It was a disappointing end to a disappointing season. So now all we have besides bitching and moaning at each other and the Internet is like, okay, but how's it going to be better next year? And and a, a astute reporter asked the question, and we are giving absolutely nothing in that answer to be optimistic about. So I agree with you completely. That's rare. That's that's let's just <laughs> let's just acknowledge let's acknowledge the uniqueness of what just happened. Um, let's talk about the other side because obviously what we're focusing on there is recruiting, whether it's ta- uh, you know um, transfer portal or high school players. But the other side of getting better in college basketball is player development, right? That's it's those two things, right, Dutch? It's bring in better talent and make the talent that you have better. And and you and I have talked about this and on this podcast that so much of that is on the player too. Just how much work are you willing to put in? How much do you live in the gym? It's not a coach sprinkling, you know, fairy dust. But if you have a good coaching staff, they can clearly be helpful. We saw development in Trey Galloway this year. I don't think there's any doubt that his three-point shot got better. I mean, it couldn't get much worse, but it got better. The free-throw shooting is a different story, but the the three-point shooting got better. I think Trey is being asked to do too much on this team, and this is where I agree with Ward. Trey Galloway would not be asked to do what he was asked to do if Xavier Johnson was playing. He, He was being exposed too much. And, and whereas Trey can be such a weapon coming off the bench for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a game, asking him to play 30 and be the primary point guard many times is, is just not fair to him and his skill. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Trace Jackson Davis developed the passing game, you know, and developed his defensive game blocking. I mean, he, he did not block shots his first two years and bringing the ball up the court. I mean, that was weird and fun to see a six, nine dude running the break. Oh, Brian, you, Dutch, you got something on that. Let me jump in the, um, yeah, big difference between running. I'm not saying you're, I'm not like trying to necessarily, I'm being a little bit argumentative 
how hard is it to be the point guard of that team when half the time Trace takes off? Not half time. You know, a fair amount of times he takes off with the ball to go to his favorite spot. Um, and then the rest of the time, you're just trying to come down the right side and just try to give him the ball. I mean, that that's not running an offense. That's not Fair. Bob Knight point guard. You want to you know how hard it is to be Bob Knight's point guard and the expectations on you to to involve people and move the ball to where it's supposed to go and, and in an offense where it's not just a basic pattern, where it's like you're watching activity on both sides of the court. There's two guys working a, a two-man game screening on either side and make sure that it's it's in the guy's hands on a tight curl, that ain't the job he had. So let's not pretend <laughs> Trey Galloway had that hard of a job. His on-the-ball his on the ball. I like Trey Galloway, you guys. But his on-the-ball defense, I mean, in one hand, it, it, it depends on the who you're playing against. Sometimes it looks, oh, it's pretty sticky. And, he, he's... and, then, and then games like yesterday. It's really just his hair that's flopping around. His feet aren't moving. His hair is flopping around. It ain't, you know, he's not a guy that should be playing 35 minutes. I'll give you that. And if X wasn't hurt, that changes the season. I will also say this. Maybe his three-point shot didn't improve that much. It could have been that, the, you know, the kid was overcoming a wrist injury. So you got a wrist injury. You're probably not going to shoot the ball as well as you normally could. Maybe his shot wasn't that bad. And it's just back to where it is. I'm not saying it hasn't worked. The question that you really brought up was player development. I I am very concerned. I, I and part of it I think is nil. I mean, guys are thinking about what they're getting paid next year. I hope that more guys are in the gym today and every day in this off season focused on getting better. I I, I worry about it though, and then part of it is just the landscape has changed so much. Are, are guys are they doing that? I hope they are. Yeah. I Look, I'm concerned about player development too, but not for the same reasons. I, 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 for for obvious reasons, I don't believe NIL hurts player development. I could easily Dutch make the argument that NIL incentivizes guys to hit the gym more because if you are the better player next year, you're going to get more money. The better players, the more visible players, the more productive players are the ones that share in the biggest pot share of the pie when it comes to NIL. So I can make the argument that NIL incentivizes guys to work hard. But on this team, let's just look at results. Jordan Geronimo, I don't know what happened, but he took a step backwards from where he was playing at the end of last year. Tamar Bates, I don't care what the final stats show, he was a flat line this year from last year. Uh, he he had a couple games, surely, that were much better than games that he had last year. But out of 35 games, I bet 25 were abysmal. And he ended the year going in the NCAA tournament, I think going 0 for 13 in the tournament. Uh, just a step back. I, I won't say a step back, but no real step forward. Um Anthony Leal is not about a guy who's obviously going to play much for us. We do, CJ Gunn played a little at the beginning of the year, and then nothing happened with him throughout the year. Caleb Banks started to play, but we didn't see enough of him to know if there was anything real there. The, the key for me was Tamar and Jordan because I think we all looked at those guys as tons of raw talent, clear, raw talent and, and some ability Tamar more on the skill side and Jordan more on the athletic athleticism side, but neither took 
the step up that we needed on this team to be better. And that is really concerning. Then there's also Logan Duncan, who we just, who knows? I mean, he just didn't play at all, sick all the time, injured all the time, just have no idea what, what he is at all. But I really look at Jordan and Tamar's case studies of guys with talent on one side and real athleticism and length and size <laughs> on the other, and neither took a step forward. That's, and and by the way, I, I, I don't know enough about Jordan and his work ethic. Tamar works. Tamar does put time in. Now, maybe he's not putting time in in the right areas. I don't know. But he's in work ethic. He works hard. He's in the gym a lot. And I think Jordan is too, but I don't, I just don't know. I'm not casting an aspersion. But do we have this? Dutch, you answered a little bit. Ward, what's your take on player development? I mean, we saw Trace develop this year and Trey's three-point shot. And that, I think, is basically the end of what we can point to and say this player got better from last season to this or even within this season. So I, I think it's irrefutable that like when we were talking early in the season about depth, oh, we've got depth in the non-conference, you know, we can go eight, nine deep. And by the end of the season, our, our, you know, our rotation was six dudes. You know, I mean, you know, seven really, but, but, but it's like you always said, you would always say, we've got seven dudes that we play and only six that can do anything. Yeah. And, and when you, you had to bench Jalen yesterday in the first half twice. I mean, God bless the kid. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was, he wanted it too bad and was trying too hard. I, I would be inclined to think, you know, and, and to, to Dutch's point, you know, he wasn't necessarily diving on the ground like the two Miami players that were to get that ball. Um, but how, how can anybody make an argument outside of Trace Jackson Davis that an individual player got significantly better uh, in, in these two seasons? I, I, I don't see it. So yeah, not where the hell are we? Like, I mean, look, people listening to this are going to be all over us for being dark and depressing. And, and I get it. But as you look into next year's team, we lose Trace. We lose Miller. I, I do want to say this about Miller because he's come under fire for a lot. Whether it was people really thought he was a terrible defensive player. I think those people were, were um, fooled by some just easy things to see and not paying attention to a lot. Like there was a play last night. I went back and watched this. At the end of the first half, Miller hits a two-point shot. Then we come down on defense and get, and we were down by um, 10. He hits a shot, a two. We come down on defense. He physically put Caleb Banks into position defensively. He physically moved him to where he had to, like, pointed him to where to go. And that ended up stopping the guy that drove to the bucket. And we got to stop. And then Miller hits the big three at the end of the first half to cut it to five and give us momentum. Miller did a lot of those little things throughout his two years that I don't think people saw. And I will say this. We can talk about effort. You cannot talk about effort when it comes to Miller. I think Miller gave it his all 
I, I really do. I think he was limited by the fact that we don't have an offense that asked him to come off of screens and curls and get open. I think that he didn't feel comfortable being as aggressive as we all wanted him to be. But I, I think the guy played hard and tried to get the most out of his ability as possible. And I respect that. Um, well, and just to interject real quick, I think Miller is the player he is and, and, understanding the defensive rotations more and that's in large part while he's so valuable and out there so often um i think he you know he came in kind of the player he he is uh but he was not like so many players on our team put in a position to like maximize those talents to be able to get that clean open look with his feet set when he did he he often took advantage of it but he wasn't playing in a system where anything was really given to him as far as that is concerned so i i uh, kudos to him for for playing his role the best he could but we've talked about it at length but what offense are we running in order to get him that shot that he could hit 45% of the time? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So if I, here's what I think synopsis of, of Miller cop for his two years here and, and what he meant to the team. I, and I'm giving consideration to the whole package, the stuff on defense that, you know, helpfulness to being the veteran pushing a, a kid that doesn't know where to be in position. That's a whole nother story. But if we miss his production next year, so we're kind of talking about the future. If we miss Miller cops, 7.7 points, his perimeter defense. Okay. Like you can say what you want about it. If we miss his production, we are in huge, huge trouble next year. That's, that's how I would put it. And I've, I've, Rooted for him. I've, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with him taking that quick shot. I think he can knock down shots. Yes, I don't think we put him in, you know, he didn't fit into the, the offense when all we're going to do is throw it to the right, you know, block. We're in trouble if we're going to miss that production. I, uh, that is, that is a great point. You know, there's a Dutch, you're an old baseball guy. I don't know how into uh, analytics and baseball you ever got and like the saber metrics, but there's this thing in baseball that they use now as like the one of the most important statistics called war wins above replacement player you know which basically means for those that don't know you look at a player you take him out and you put in the the major league average player and you compare that player to what you have and you see how many wins do you get, is, is he credited for by having that guy? And like a good war is like, I mean, a three is like a great war. A one is a good war. I do feel with the exception of Trace, our team, uh, because of the style that we played, we have a lot of replacement players. Like Trey Galloway, I love his effort, but to your point about missing production, and and this is where I'm torn because I do think well, it's, I, I'm talking about now missing Jalen. I think Jalen was an elite player who had to learn how to play college basketball, but there were games where he was the best player on the court and it wasn't close. I think Malik is going to be a really good player if he works hard and stays. Um, I thought Tamar was going to be that. But then when you talk about the Trays and the Millers, you know, and then I don't, we don't know what else we have. And even Race Thompson, like a lot of replacement. And we have to 
rebuild in year three, which sucks. I mean, it just sucks. I think that we all thought by the time we get to year three, recruiting will be rolling, will be a destination. And the truth is recruiting was not rolling for the 2023 season. We've got two guys who project to be good players. I don't think anybody projects them to be stars right now. That's a hard thing to project. But we need dudes. And we need lots of them. And so if we don't hit the jackpot in the transfer portal, it is hard to see where next year goes. It, well, no, it's not. It's easy. It's, <laughs> it's, it, but it's it's hard to even think about that. It, it is hard to think that we would be taking a giant step back in year three. That That would be a pretty big indictment on where the program is. Any thoughts there, Dutch? He's nodding. He's nodding again. No, I, yeah, I, 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 I concur. Everything you're saying, it, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. I, I, have a, I think I've tried not to think about it. To be honest with you, that you have to be, kind, and that's why I think leadership, hopefully, is doing that. Not just saying, "Oh, dang, we were close last night to going to Sweet 16." I sure hope that's not what they're thinking, because. There, I think it's a deep dive, like, hey, what's the strategy for the portal? Like, it's not just, hey, let's see what happens in the portal. I, hopefully they're down there having discussion today. It's like, what's our strategy for this portal? Because we need it, and we need it really bad. And we, we need a strategy for this thing. And all hands on deck. And, you know, who else can help us strike gold in this transfer portal? Because without it, uh, there is no – you don't need a, much of a crystal ball, right? If you just look at war and where's that going to come from and you look down that roster that we wanted to believe was so deep. I mean, you remember how deep it was after the exhibition games? Oh, my God, it was deep. There was 12 guys that we were trying to find playing time for. I mean, we got 12 ballers down there. Really? Oh, okay. Because that's not that's not how we feel after playing a man schedule in a weak ass Big Ten, to, like you said, it was a weak ass Big Ten, and it doesn't mean there. It doesn't mean when you go on the road, it's not. Yeah, if you play like we play, it's hard to win in Iowa. It, it's it's not like they're just giving games away. You got to go win games, but the league was weak, top to bottom, weak. Oh. And I, nobody wants to say that because we all want to be from. We want the Big Ten to be a great conference. But if but we want to say it was this year, we were absolutely kidding ourselves. I, I Look, totally agree. I don't think anybody's really believing Tom Izzo is going to win the championship this year. Therefore, it's going to be, what, 23 years since anybody in the conference won? And we brought this up yesterday on Twitter Spaces. But, I mean, Big Ten as a dominant basketball conference, it's it's been over for probably longer than we'd like to admit. You know, when John Beeline left, it seemed like, well, okay, that's the last guy who really knows how to play modern basketball in this conference. And the SEC is here with all their football money and all their natural recruiting talent base. They're here. They're here. They're in the Sweet 16. We are not. And, and, and Ward, they're about to get Texas. They're, they're about to get Texas. You know, it's just like outside of UCLA, Arizona, Kansas. It's like, you know, and you've, you've still got, uh, obviously, Duke ain't dead yet. UNC hopefully is, but 
probably not. Um, but look, it's it's all kind of down south now, and I don't see any reason why any player with NBA talent is going to choose to take their talents to the NBA because you know Juwan and to Woody the Big Ten. To or the to the Big Ten. What did I say? Just to curious. the NBA. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, well, Juwan and Woody with their NBA pedigree, you know, I mean, I think that's that's a sell you can make early on. But when you're not making the tournament like Juwan did this year with a, a a couple of draft picks starting for him, and and with Woody having like, hey, I'm gonna get two guys in the league this year, but we came in third in a in a shitty conference and we didn't make it to the second weekend. I don't know. I, I'd rather I'd rather go um, to a climate that's warmer to a team that gets further and I get better exposure as it gets into late March and early April. Well, and when was when was uh, Archie officially dead? Archie died to me when we sucked with Romeo, when Romeo didn't have a great season and we couldn't make the tournament. They should have just shot and killed him right then. He had no <laughs> chance to come back because the other – because, no, I'm serious. All the other coaches in the Big Ten and in the country, if if you're competing against Indiana for a kid, that's the story you're telling. Hey, you got to be careful. You want to go there? I mean, they couldn't win with this kid. They couldn't showcase him, and we didn't showcase him. I mean, that was – I felt sorry for that kid. He had more talent than we got to see because we couldn't put him in a position. And yeah. – I mean, there's sharks in the water, man. Like to your point, there's sharks in the water. These other guys are negative recruiting against us. Going, they had a uh, unanimous first teamer, unanimous, and they have this, you know, wonder kid, you know, lottery pick, mid first round pick, and that's this. And they were they were preseason this, preseason this, preseason this, and this is what we got. It's not good. I, I would argue that Archie was dead when he did his press conference announcing his hire at Indiana. I would say that that moment, <laughs> when, when he looked like a just a pasty, sweaty, uh, uncomfortable, like kid dressing up in his dad's clothes to go to work, that is the moment that I thought, oh, shit, this might not work. In retrospect, that was the moment that it all went south. All right. Uh, Ward, you got to get going, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. I do. All right, Dutch, leave us with, is there any positive thing at all that you can give us so we don't end this and all go drink a gallon of bleach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's over. It, it is over. I guess that's the, <laughs> the torture of who's going to show up and how are we going to play. It's over. All right. Well, look, I don't know, there man. Is I, I, I hope that they're having the conversations that we're hoping they have. I, I did want to say one thing, and then yes. Ward will let you go. AJ Moye said to us years ago now, in one of our in our first interview ever on this podcast, that the thing that he thought Coach Knight was amazing at was that Coach Knight built a car with his players and that this guy was the steering wheel and this guy was the spark plug and this guy was the engine and, you know, that that there was all these parts that fit together to have a smooth ride. And there's, by the way, different kinds of cars, right? There's mm -hmm. SUVs and rugged trucks and there's Ferraris and everything in between. 
And you got to have the right parts to fit the car. And I think just going back to that press conference answer, what scared me is it doesn't even seem like our coaching staff has the answer for what kind of car it wants to drive. Well, if you don't know what kind of car you are, I don't know how you get the appropriate parts. Because what happened like on this team is we had too many of the same parts and uh, or similar parts or parts that didn't fit together. And so the transfer portal allows for a team to make itself really good in one year. That's it. There is no reason why if we have a good plan and work our asses off, here's the positive thing. There is no reason that we can't be in the Sweet 16 and competing for a Big Ten title next year. Because of the way the transfer portal works, there is no reason that we can't be it. We have more advantages than Kansas State had. More because we're Indiana and the resources we have. There is absolutely no reason that if we attack it correctly with the right plan and work our tails off that we cannot be better next year. No reason. I don't care who we lose. You can rebuild your team in one damn year. Many coaches have shown that that can happen. We have an opportunity to do that. It's ours to take or lose. End of show. Drop the mic, dude. That was perfect. I have one more question for you, Dutch. Because of the lighting, oh, you're changing the lighting. But do you feel like you had an advantage on the basketball court because sometimes opposing players would just get lost in your blue eyes? (laughs) (laughs) I never felt that open. I I felt like I was getting attention, but I don't think it was because of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dutch, thanks for – Hey, misery loves company, buddy, and uh, you're part of it. This is a, turning into a triad here, so uh, we might have to do a little memoji for your face and put you into the logo soon. Oh, oh. <laughs> that'd be cool. Give me blue eyes. Make sure I get blue eyes, Ward. That was a guest. That was a guest. Well, we've done some negative, pessimistic podcast conversations with Dutch Evans. But none quite as depressing as that one. Uh, yeah, at least we turned on each other so he could step in and and be a little upbeat for a minute. But look, there was there was an always an argument to be made in our prior discussions as to why things could get better or might get better or could be okay. Um, but the season's over, and this is this is when conclusions are made. And we're all still mourning this last loss. Uh, But I I don't think I'm going to think much differently about this season uh, than I do now, 10 years from now. And, And I feel like as upsetting as it is that that negativity is, is it's just the result of, of a failure of a season. I came around and I called it a failure, not just the disappointment. I'm with you now. (laughs) I will tell you that Dutch Evans said in response to you and I getting in that argument, quote, I liked it, need more of it. (laughs) Well, that's how this whole thing started us, us debating each other and getting under each other's skin. But I, I do think we've just spent too much time together and we're absorbing the same information. And then we just kind of come up with, with a, a, a similar 
uh, I guess, result answer over endless texts and conversations and phone calls and and cigars. Um, maybe that's I mean, not you great. You know how I feel. I feel it's just that you finally have come around to realize. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, you wore me down. But that's <laughs> that's why it's great to have Dutch around. That's that's why it's good to have you know other people on text messages or even you know my dad, bless him, who's not at all involved with anything besides just watching the game and talking to me afterwards. And, and it's, it is healthy to hear other people's opinions because we are each other's own echo chamber. Yeah. Although my dad's opinion, you don't want, (laughs) if you're looking for positivity and faith and hopefulness, it is not coming from Wally Pankowski. I can tell you that much. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. For the last time this season. But the sometimes, sometimes why? I will tell you, everybody, stick around every week because we're going to be doing, hopefully, some fun, different conversations. Uh, maybe mix in a couple Mount Rushmore-type conversations that that, I, that seem to get some traction and people seem to like those. Uh, Dutch will be part of it going forward in various places. We'll bring in some other people to weigh in. Hopefully we'll get some good recaps of the season and fee- get, get firsthand accounts from these guys who lived it and hopefully get some insight on, on maybe some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes that we don't know about that can help, help us at least understand why sometimes things didn't go our way. And just remember, there's no off-season for UFOs. Good Christ. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier 